Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Well, hello, everybody. We're back again. We're back. Number 72. We're a little late. It's been hectic. You know, my sister said we need to stop saying that and stop promising we're not going to miss the weeks. So. Okay, let's set the plate. Uh, we're going to be <clears> late a bunch. I don't know. It's You know what? It's a depressing kind of year. It's dark out already. And it's getting cold. Yeah. I, I mean, had to wear my thermal shirt on my run today. Not that late in the evening, and it's blackout. Yeah. It made early trick-or-treating, though. Anyway, okay, <laughs> we digress. I don't even know what we're doing today. Um, okay, so what we are doing today is discussing, so this week and next week, we will kind of do similar, just different versions. So we're going to talk about things, whether it's co-occurring medical diagnoses or co-prescribed medications or ingested medications or drugs, when combined with opioids are really bad. Can be really bad. Well, can be really bad. The potential. The potential is there. So this week, we are going to talk about opioids mixed with other substances and medications. So the illicits and the illicits. That's how I should title it. Yeah. That's, yeah, that would have been better. I can change it still. I can still change it. It hasn't been released. I mean, it has now because these people are listening to it, but it hasn't been released as of this moment. So the reality is that if you have a substance use disorder, you're way more likely to overdose than patients without a substance use disorder. A history of. So even if it's not active. Yeah, two to four times more likely. So overdoses is a big thing. So this is people who get prescribed opioids. Not We're not talking heroin or fentanyl today. We're talking about people who are prescribed opioids, acutely or chronically have a higher chance of overdosing if just if they have any type of history of substance abuse. Yeah. And this is actually quoted in the CDC guidelines that were released in 2016. Some people don't like those guidelines. Page 16? <laughs> yeah. No. 15? Yeah. Gosh, I don't remember. Anyway, on to benzos, everybody's favorite combo. So we're going to start with that. I mean, the benzodiazepines are a great, great place to really start because uh, they're really one of the riskier things. Mm-hmm. So there's three different studies on opioid overdose found the evidence of concurrent benzodiazepine use. So people who are on opioids who also have benzos that then overdosed and died, 31 to 61% of deaths had the combo. So let's just average it, say 45. There you go. So now that y'all can see this, but there is this really neat graph that I found, which shows... Overdose death rate per 100,000 person years um, compared to op- daily opioid dose. And when you get above that 20 to 50 morphine equivalents, it actually shoots up pretty high at that point, which is why the CDC guidelines recommend 50 morphine equivalents as the kind of ceiling if they're on concurrent benzos. This is one of those interesting things where, you know, still people will say, well, we don't need to taper people down. These people that are, what do we call those patients? Legacy patients. Legacy patients. And again, people that aren't on opioids 
never overdose and die. Have you ever seen that? That mm-hmm. overdose and die from opioids when they're not taking them? No, and the problem is, is even they've been on them a long time and they haven't died, as they get older, we'll that, talk about that next week. Yeah, I mean, that that's when the risk goes higher because, well, people forget they took their meds or so they on They just and so get older. On. There's a lot of complications. Don't ruin next week. Oh, sorry. So... Interestingly, if you look at the benzos, they're, they're really the most common cause when we see polysubstance overdose fatalities. And so it's really that combo of opioids and benzos that's numero uno. Um, and, and I think this is really one of, yeah, I'm, I actually speak Spanish. No, I don't. Um, but patients who, uh, who take this, it's one of my favorite uh, little things. Is that Don't it, bring up the Trinity yet. That's no, coming. No, oh, no. But if you're on alprazolam and oxycodone, your risk of death is 10 times higher than a person who's not taking either of those. Again, you can't overdose and die if you're not on them. You can't? No. Gosh. So alprazolam for those new learners is Xanax. One of the names for it. Have you ever, you maybe have back in the day. I've never prescribed Xanax. Uh, I may have refilled it for somebody, but I can't recall using that one. All right. The next substance. Alcohol. Uh, so clearly we're not prescribing this, but... People mix it. People mix it a lot, which, you know, simplistic, you know, level is there's groups of meds, you know, the, the substance of abuse are the, the quote-unquote downers and uppers. And it's never good to mix two in the same class. I mean, it's never good to mix at all, but two in the same class, kind of like opioids and benzos are both downers. Opioids and alcohol are also both downers. So depressants, depressants. So I will discuss this next part. So this looks complicated. It is complicated. So alcohol gets broken down in the liver through this meos, M-E-O-S, microsomal ethanol oxidizing system. So fancy. So that's how ethanol gets made into acetaldehyde, which then gets broken down, obviously, into acetate, blah, blah, blah. Now, interestingly, opioids are also in part metabolized through this system. And separately, they augment the system. But when you put them together, it actually slows the rate of both of them. So if you're on alcohol and opioids, both opioids and alcohol get broken down slower. More slowly, like an adverb? More slowly. Slower or more slowly. Okay. Therefore, increasing the levels of both and getting closer to toxic levels of mm. both. And, of course, the ethanol, there's some thought that it kind of modifies some of these opioid receptors as well, and that, that also affects the, the, the response you get to the opioids. And, uh, of course, the, you know, we haven't even talked about patients already had no UD or patients that are on methadone. It's really interesting because uh, you do see a lot of those patients who uh, switch to alcohol and I actually just recently had a patient that had had issues with uh, OUD and, and then had trouble with alcohol. And so it's a fairly common thing. It's very interesting, and this is a tangent, but people who have OUD or in recovery, and I heard this just last week, you either still can drink and it's just like icky to you, like you're just like, oh, I have one, and it's just not my favorite thing, or you just don't drink at all. Yeah, It's interesting. Yeah, I've seen quite a few patients who just alcohol does nothing for them. Otherwise, they turn into a person who also has alcohol use disorder. It's just interesting. So if you look at alcohol, though, it is involved in 18.5% of opioid ER ER visits and 27.2% of benzo-related visits. So all three of them, again, are depressants. So 
And Combining alcohol with any type of prescription controlled substance is a bad idea. And if you look at overdose deaths, alcohol is related to 20% of them, whether it's opioids or benzos. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty stunning. That's high. One in five. You know, this, uh, this article that I had just found, it was really interesting. This, uh, and it kind of talked about ethanol and oxycodone cause greater ventilation depression together, of course, than either alone. And you'd expect that. And the, the magnitude is, is pretty clinically relevant, right? And who's going to be having the most trouble? Your colleagues, your friends, <laughs> the friends. elderly. <laughs> you open, you, by asking me that question, you knew I was going to make fun of you. <laughs> no, I'm talking elderly people. So that's like 80 Retired. and above. 80 and above. Retired. Okay. But that, I mean, and I love this study because it did come from anesthesiology journal because that's who's really, I mean, think about it. Yeah. They're putting these people to sleep. So this is actually something important to know about your patients when you're doing preoperative exams. Yeah. This next thing is the most interesting thing. I wish thing. you all could see this picture. It's a very good picture. There's, there's a very interesting problem that occurs uh, and a concern that if you mix alcohol and opioids, especially these, these long-acting opioids, mm -hmm. uh, there's a bit of an issue with that. And uh, what happens is... Don't they, they come up with a better name? Yeah, they call it dose dumping. Did you want to explain that, Dr. Bell? <laughs> No, oh, it's the unintended rapid release of the entire amount or a significant fraction from an ingested dose. So, you know, especially like Kurt mentioned, these long acting medications that have the slow release formulations, which when the Oxycontin people came out with it and this long acting, no one can overdose because they're long acting extended release. And they were like 30 milligrams, 60, 90. 80, why not? So what dose dumping is, is if you put alcohol with one of these extended release long acting, it actually kind of negates that whole long acting slow release and it just kind of dumps that whole high level in your system at one time. You know what the risk of that is? Is that when people found out, and a lot of the reading I did uh, when I was looking into some of this stuff, was that when people realized that would occur, they actually purposefully did it. Well, yeah. I love... And again, you guys can't see this. It's sad. Um, this journal by Akhmad, I think it's really worth everybody looking up. It's A-K-H-M-A-D is the primary author. It's called Dose Dumping. It's in Clinical Pharmaceutical from November of 2017. This graph is just amazing. It shows continuous, continuous release of an opioid tablet, but then when you mix alcohol, it actually shows the peak of um, the amount of drug in the blood on this chart and it's like way higher than the bad. Is this where you'd appropriately use the word boom? Boom? Yeah, like boom. It's just like That's a nice onomatopoeia. Yeah, I mean it just it, <laughs> it's it just takes off and it dumps all that all that high dose right into you. So obviously increased overdose potential, increased abuse potential, like you would just mention people did this on purpose. And interestingly, uh, in one study they showed that hydromorphone ER the extended release capsule, if you mix that with alcohol, your plasma concentration would be, well, 16 times higher. Isn't that so crazy? That's not good if you're a little bit... Uh, First of all, who prescribes know, dilaudid tablets <laughs> capsule? <laughs> I got to be honest, I didn't know they made them. Mm -mm. 
Um, and the mechanism is really poorly understood why this happens. I mean, it's not really well worked That's out. That's why it's important to look at the picture. I will post on Twitter. Yeah. I will put that dose dumping picture on Twitter tomorrow or when we post this and it yeah. goes live because it's amazing. Yeah, and that was actually uh, in an article uh, in Postgraduate Medicine 2013. So, I mean, they've known about this for quite some time. All right. We should talk about cough syrup. I love cough syrup. <laughs> and I do go on a tangent. Oh, do you, do you need to... Cough? <laughs> no. Oh, you did that on purpose? I did that on purpose. <laughs> Sorry, I muted you. Okay, so cough syrup, the FDA, quote, the risks of slowed or difficult breathing, misuse, abuse, addiction, overdose, and death with medications, i.e. cough syrup, coating cough syrup, outweigh the benefits in patients younger than 18. So do not do this. You know, and I got to tell you, in the old days, uh, I never used this hydrocodone cough syrup ever. What's it, hydrotus or something? I don't know. Uh, but the coating cough syrup was like, it was just pouring out of the pharmacies. Yeah. You need to keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> I've never, I've never prescribed it. Yeah. And I think it's because when I was in medical school and I had my tonsils out as an adult, they called me in liquid Lortab and I got severely ill and vomited after having my tonsils out. I just was totally afraid of giving anybody narcotic liquid. Yeah, thanks for sharing. But anyway, mm. uh, cough syrup is, of course, as a cough suppressant, well, it's not really supported by available evidence. And I think we both know that. Uh, we, we talk about this all the time, that really neither codeine nor hydrocodone has any significant effect on cough duration or intensity in studies that were done. And that was done... God, 20 years Way ago. back. You were like in high school. 2000, yeah, I was. I graduated in 20, 2001. Yeah, so... And, and Kurt so that, was already collecting retirement. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Okay, so here's where I get to go on my little tangent, oh God. which is like a preview because is it cough syrup versus honey? And I came across this doing some kind of family medicine review thingy where they say honey is way better. And so I've kind of looked it up. So this Norman Edelman, Dr. Edelman, who's the CMO at the American Lung Association, quote, we've never had good evidence that cough suppressants and expectorants help with cough. Da, da, da. So we, what do they we help We kind of just said that. Nothing. Well, <laughs> sleep. <laughs> use disorders, sleep. Um, so then they actually did this study. And 270 kids, quote, from the study, children who receive honey coughed less frequently, less severely, and were less likely to lose sleep due to the cough when compared to other treatments. As a maple syrup maker, I'm, I'm going to repeat this study using maple syrup. I, it might be better than honey. It might work, but the problem, the difference I will see is there was more to this study where honey actually has some... Um, Immunologic thing? Thank you. Yeah, I'm all about the words. Yes. So the other problem with prescribing cough syrup, and this is just in this the weeds. This is the answer to your question of why do you do it? Yeah, in the weeds here. We're going in the weeds for a second. That, that high schoolers frequently misuse cough syrups. I mean, and a lot of people. Not, not just the dextromethorphan, but if they get their hands on a little cough syrup and some pop and Jolly Ranchers, well, they're often running to make a, a purple drink. So zerp. Yeah, or a lean or just plain purple. Yeah. So, you know, the pro-meth scene with codeine, they mix that with all these things, and they have parties. And so, you know, I have I don't think I've given cough syrup to anybody in so long, I can't even remember. Um, so please, reevaluate why you're giving people cough What's syrup. What's interesting is the people who have, like, these refills of cough syrup 
and it's like a chronic medication. Yeah. And just remember, these, um, you know, can be mixed with other things as well. And it's just, Mom, you know, right. so okay. other people are mixing it with alcohol. And, and, and the, some of the purple slurps are mixing with wine coolers. So now you got hydrocodone with a little wine cooler. So <laughs> I love how you say wine cooler. You know, I went off in the weeds with one of the other meds with Soma. I think you should talk about Soma and then I will talk about the Z drugs and then we will end for this yeah. week. I put Soma in here because Soma is actually on the list at, at, at the state as well as a medication that they watch. But it's, it is a med mixed with opiates. So it's good to talk about today. Yeah. And if you mix it, you know, this is something that's frequently mixed. And Soma, of course, you know, this combination of Soma uh, and opioids uh, can cause respiratory depression. And unfortunately, also, a very common thing on the street is the Holy Trinity. And the Holy Trinity, you just add a little alprazolam to that mixture of Soma and opioids. Uh, most commonly, it's uh, oxycodone, uh, oxycodone, alprazolam, and the Soma. Which is carsop. Carisopridol. I'm glad I let you say that. Um, and, and this combination can be quite addictive and, and, again, result in pretty significant respiratory depression. Understand that the metabolite of meprobamate, or excuse no, me, the metabolite soma. is meprobamate, and uh, that acts like a barbiturate. And, you know, of course, we didn't, we're not going to talk about barbiturates and opioids, but, again, they do do the same thing with We should do a depression. podcast on barbiturates. Yeah. I've never even prescribed one except in, like, in... ER situation for seizures. Oh, man. Yeah. Why people? Uh, long story. Anyway, but anyway. I think that uh, Soma is really one for us all to think about if, if you've seen that prescribed or you find patients asking for it. That, it's really, I think most of the, the, the addiction doctors would tell you there's really no good reason to prescribe it. It's not even a good muscle relaxer. Yeah. And then now at the state level, uh, they're watching it and it should only be intermittent use. If they find people that are using it every day and it's prescribed for the entire year, that's a bit of an issue. So, All right. So last drug for today. It's good timing. Ooh. Z drugs. So we all know what those are. We do. Like your fancy ambience. I use the name brand. Sorry. Actually, in 2016, there is a black box warning for using the Z drugs with opioids. Yeah. So, which is interesting. I mean, a black box warning to just calling out mixing two prescription medications. Well, here's the thing That's that huge. I find very funny is that think about the times where you've prescribed a drug and you you look it up or you you know on your Hippocrates or yeah, whatever. And there's little, a black box warning for something else that they're on. And boy, you really think about it. I mean, you or you, and you have a discussion with the patient and you may not even end up just prescribing it. But how many people do we see on opioids? That their provider also puts them on a sleeper. Correct. And there's a black box warning. Can I go on a little quick tangent on one of my big... I have a lot of just... You know, we all have our things that are like our well, biggest pet are, peeves. Are you going to do it? Because if you are, I'll just take a quick nap. No, it's quick. Ambien and medications like that. I'm going to go with Ambien just because it's... That is the med I'm talking about. Women should never get anything higher than five milligrams of Ambien. Seen a million people on 10, actually. that And they shouldn't, because even alone, not with opioids, the risk of like not that, waking up from sleep is high. Yeah, or being groggy in the morning or driving in the morning. Right, but how many things. of the people who are on chronic Ambien are also on opioids? It's kind of a similar population, actually. Yeah, so. And is this is a little um, teaser for next week, but what are their sleep difficulties caused by? Is it maybe their opioids? 
and now you're combining them. So anyway, adding a Z drug to opioids increases the risk of unintentional overdose by nearly four times in the first 30 days of prescription. That that That, that doesn't mean like once they make it past 30 days, you should continue doing it. It just means you shouldn't do it. And this is from American Journal of Psychiatry just from July of 2021. This is new data. Yeah. So again, remember, that's a black box warning. And uh, that's a... I feel like we should have like a woo. Uh, we don't have that noise. No, no, not that noise. <laughs> no, that's not really that's right bad. either. I don't, we don't have a... Anyway. We don't have a... That's not good. So that's really our... No. No, no not that either. <laughs> so I think we're done for the day. Uh, just kind of go through some of those things that can make opioids go poorly. That could be the name of the talk. Opioids going poorly. But that does, I mean, there's a lot of talks that could result from that title. Anyway, next week, we will do the same medical comorbidities, but we will talk more about the diagnoses. So, little sneak peek, mental health, age. Yeah, the diagnoses that that make opioids a little more sketchy. You should think there should be a black box warning. If yeah. you have this diagnosis and you put someone on an opioid, there should be a black box warning. Like if you're 90. Or 60. Uh, I'd probably go 90. <laughs> All right. We'll let Battle Legs take over. Thank you, everybody. Oh, are we going to talk about our next echo? I know I just said thank you. Oh, but stop. Casey, don't put the music on. Not yet, Casey. Um, so in addition to our normal echo that everybody knows and loves on Wednesdays that has been going since January of 18 on November 2nd, which is a Tuesday, we are (laughs) maybe today (laughs) that is, this is released. We are starting another echo series that has a curriculum. Yeah. It's going to be every other week, first and third Tuesdays Tuesdays of the month. And it's going to kind of start from the beginning. Uh, some of the opioid stuff, some of the different things. Yeah, we're really trying to go back to if we're trying to increase, further increase access to pay for patients in, you know, anywhere. So people who don't have a MOUD or, a, you know, Suboxone or MAT type program in their clinic, how do you get up, how do you get going, kind of the basics. So people, new prescribers who haven't prescribed yet, just got their waiver, the how-to, if you will. Yeah. I think uh, it's the fun part of this we're doing with our friends at Stratus Health and Minnesota Academy of Family Practice. All of our friends are involved in this little project. So, so yeah. So, yeah, join us for that, 1215, November 2nd, first one. And I think if you go to the MAFP website, there's a link to register. Oh, did I mention the credits are free? You get free, free credit. Free CMEs, though. So, anyway, so, so the Casey Wednesday can, Echo hasn't gone away, but we're adding this one, too, because why not? All right, Casey, play the music. We'll see you next week.
Life was simple, they just grew up too fast. But I wouldn't go as far as that. No, I wouldn't go as far as that. I've dug a hole too deep this time. I just can't be, just can't be here tonight. They say we were free back when we were young. The days before all the work had begun. The time we laughed and we drank and had fun. But that's not how I remember that one. No, that's not how I remember that one. Yeah, I'm leaving.